Good afternoon, everyone. Dr. Hinshaw and I are here to provide a weekly COVID update. The data we're sharing today is from Tuesday, May the 10th till Monday, May the 16th. Our full case breakdown and dashboards will be updated online tomorrow as usual. There are more signs over the past week that we're putting the BA2 wave behind us. Our average PCR test positivity rate is about 20% as compared to 23% last week and 25.9% the week before. This is the third week in a row that we've seen dropping positivity rates, which means there is less viral, viral transmission in Alberta. Our wastewater surveillance program is showing the same thing. The levels in most centres are declining or fluctuating at levels well below the BA1 peak. A number of sites are at quite low levels like Airdrie, Brooks, Drumheller, Edson and Grand Prairie. Wastewater data can fluctuate quite wildly from day to day due to factors in the virus as well as the wastewater stream at a given site. Some centres are showing a wide range of variation but are continuing to trend down like Lethbridge. Edmonton, Calgary and Red Deer are well, all well past their recent peaks, but still showing significant amounts of virus circulating. It makes sense that levels in larger centers are taking longer to drop with their higher population density, but we should get some help from better weather, so I, heap, I hope to see a broad trend down, cont downward continuing on, especially as we get into warmer months. I'm also pleased to report that the total number of admitted patients in our hospitals with COVID dropped slightly again over the past week, and the number of in ICU was flat, as it has been for several weeks. We recently increased the number of permanent ICU beds from 173 to 192, and the total number of patients has well been, been well within that number over the past few weeks. In fact, it's been under 160 for the past few days. AHS has filled 250 positions to staff those first 19 new ICU beds. This is out of the 50 that we funded in budget 2022. That's a real step forward for our entire healthcare system as a whole. The healthcare workforce is under pressure in Alberta and across the entire country, but we're building up that workforce, even as the pandemic continues to cause strain in some areas. Overall, the data shows we're getting past the BA2 wave, and that's good news. It's a relief for all of us, and particularly for people who work in our hospitals. It means fewer emissions, fewer blocked beds, and fewer staff off sick. But pressure on the system still is high, with the major hospitals in Edmonton and Calgary well over 90% occupancy and a few over 100%. Emergency departments and EMS are under strain in particular due to high call volumes and delays in offloading. Delays that happen because some of the hospitals are full, particularly in their emergency departments, and Emerge just can't take the next patient as quickly as they would, they would wish to. There are, a number, there are a number of reasons for the surge in patients. We've been in a global health crisis for two years, and every province is facing the same kinds of pressures for the same range of reasons. But regardless, it's clear that more than ever, we need to add capacity to our entire healthcare system, including our EMS system. Now, Budget 22 included $64 million in new funding to put more ambulance on the streets and add air ambulance capacity as well. I also 
appointed a committee to re, to assess uh, EMS pro, pro processes and the resources that we ha that we have in the system. And I am looking forward to their the interim report from this Alberta EMS Provincial Advisory Committee, which should be ready by the end of the month. We'll look at more actions we can take right away based on their recommendations and also work towards longer-term solutions later this year. In the meantime, the pressure on the system is a reminder that we need to keep looking for ways to protect people and keep serious cases of COVID-19 out of our hospitals. Now, we recently expanded access to the antiviral drug Paxlovid. However, it's a treatment that must be taken early on in a COVID-19 infection and may have side effects of its own but it's effective at keeping at-risk Albertans with COVID-19 from developing more serious illnesses. And of course, vaccination remains the best and easiest way to avoid severe illness and outcomes. As I and Dr. Hinshaw have said many times, getting your booster, doors, your booster doses is important to ensure a high level of protection against severe outcomes. That is why we encourage all Albertans to get every dose that you're eligible for. So please call today to make an appointment or visit one of the clinics that take walk-ins. And with that, thank you. And I now invite Dr. Hinshaw to give her update. Thank you, Minister, and good afternoon, everyone. Turning to today's update, between Tuesday, May 10th, and Monday, May 16th, our PCR test positivity rate ranged from 17.5 to 22.5% with an average of 19.9% for the week. As the Minister mentioned, the average number of people in hospital with COVID-19 has decreased from last week. Over the past week, there has been a daily average of around 1,190 people with COVID-19 in hospital, including around, one, around 39 in the ICU. Sadly, between May 10th and May 15th, that is last Tuesday to this Sunday, 55 deaths related to COVID-19 were reported to Alberta Health, which is an average of approximately nine per day. Tomorrow, we will be reporting deaths over the previous week in total. It is important to remember that each of these numbers represents the loss of a person who leaves behind grieving family and friends. My sympathies are with the loved ones of these Albertans and with anyone who has recently lost someone they cared about, no matter the cause. It's hard to see numbers such as these due to a virus that has upended all of our lives and is still prevalent despite our collective efforts to put it in the past. These are the most severe outcomes of infection and the last impacts to fall as a wave recedes. What we've seen in previous waves is that leading indicators such as the number of new cases and lab positivity are typically the first numbers to fall when the virus is on the wane. Changes in these early indicators are then followed by lagging indicators such as hospitalization numbers. Deaths are usually one of the last indicators to fall. This is why these high numbers of deaths that we have seen in the past weeks, as well as this week, is not unexpected, although it is a tragic reminder of the severe impacts of this virus. This is a late indicator showing the impact of the BA2 surge. As we're seeing positivity and hospitalizations begin to decline consistently, we should expect to see the same thing in the number of deaths very soon. Having said that, and as the Minister just referenced, we must remember that COVID will remain with us. We should expect it to return, 
especially when we get to colder months in the fall and the start of the season when we traditionally see a rise in respiratory viruses. Viruses like COVID-19 and influenza do still pose a serious risk to many people, which is why it's important to stay up to date on vaccinations and get all doses that you're eligible for. It's important to have as many layers of protection as possible to guard against severe outcomes, not only for ourselves, but for those who are most vulnerable among us. We must also be honest with ourselves and consider our own vulnerabilities, not just our physical health, but our mental health as well. These past few years have been very hard on everyone. Just like COVID-19, mental health issues do not discriminate based on age or circumstance. Many Albertans worked tirelessly and valiantly to maintain a sense of normal during what was a very abnormal time, but the last two years have taken a heavy toll. While many people have made it through the height of the pandemic physically, it is important to acknowledge the impact we have experienced to our mental health. I encourage you to make time to prioritize your own mental health. If you need someone to talk to, please call 211. Someone will always be on the other end of the line, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. AHS also has a dedicated mental health helpline. You can call at 1-877-303-2642. In addition to specialized supports, treatment, and resources, we can all take steps to promote mental wellness. The coming summer season, starting with the May long weekend just around the corner, will provide opportunities to us for rest. This could be camping, a long walk outside, a gathering with good friends or family, or even cheering on your favorite Alberta-based hockey team. The important thing is to make a plan to do something that restores you. Just as we have spent a lot of time making sure we are physically healthy, it's time to safeguard and look after our mental health as well. Thank you, and we're happy to take questions. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, no one here in the, in the room in Edmonton, but a couple on the line. So, operator, we'll go to the first caller, please. Adam Toy, Global. Uh, yes, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, first one for Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, NASI still hasn't updated guidelines on uh, further booster doses for the general population, but we've reached the five-month mark since the announcement for the third doses for people 18-plus uh, were have become available. Uh, you mentioned last week how important waiting that five-month period is. Um, I'm wondering if, if you can share any timeline for expansion uh, expanded availability for fourth doses for Albertans now that we've reached that five-month mark since the announcement, um, as well as since some provinces like Saskatchewan have also expanded eligibility. We've been having a lot of conversations with colleagues across the country and uh, with the Alberta Advisory Committee on Immunization, as well as the National Advisory Committee. It's important to remember that vaccines, like any other intervention that we can offer either to prevent or treat an illness, are uh, interventions that we have to think about how to use most effectively. And so when we're looking at the National Advisory Committee recommendations, where there was a strong recommendation to offer that second booster to all those age 80 and above, 
There was a discretionary recommendation about potentially going down to age 70. That was really based on the data that shows the uh, impacts of the first series of two plus the first booster, so three doses for most people, um, remains protective against severe outcomes for the majority of people. And that that second booster dose is most helpful in those who are at the oldest age range or who have other risk factors such as those who live in continuing care. So we are continuing to look at the evidence and uh, continuing to look at the National Advisory Committee guidance on what uh, groups will benefit most from that additional dose, uh, especially looking again at that risk of severe outcomes. It's important for people to remember that those who are younger, uh, the, the third dose is still very effective at preventing severe outcomes. Um, and uh, while we recognize that other provinces have lowered the age, we also know other um, partner provinces like British Columbia are watching those National Advisory Committee guidelines as we are. So uh, really we're focused on scientific evidence and the populations that benefit most, uh, which is where the advice has come from both our Alberta Advisory Committee and the National Advisory Committee. Thanks, Dr. Henshaw. Uh, Adam, follow-up? Uh, yeah, um, you mentioned, the, or I, I was wondering if, if there's any uh, serology data, serology reports that you can uh, share with us in terms of uh, prevalence of, of, of COVID in the, in the province um, and uh, in, in the past waves, uh, whether or not, um, you know, it, and if we have, in fact, uh, hit a peak of, of the sixth wave, uh, wondering if you can share any, any, any insights from that information. The last serology survey that was completed was at the beginning of March. It typically takes us about six weeks to get uh, the tests done, the data analyzed, and then to be able to work on that data, to be able to um, share that with the public and share the, the information about what the serology data tells us about the ratios of the PCR testing to perhaps what the the under the water part of the iceberg is with respect to the number of total cases. In this particular instance, it's taking us longer than we anticipated to do that full suite of analyses. So I expect that the serology data would be something we would have ready to share uh, within the next several weeks, but it is just taking us a little bit longer than uh, we had expected. So ultimately, again, we'd expected to be able to share that at the end of April, um, but we're wanting to make sure that we're, we're completing a robust series of analysis that's specific to the Omicron wave. Um, so you can look for that to be available uh, by the end of this month. Thanks for that, Dr. Hinshaw. We'll go to the next caller, please. I think we'll, we'll have time for two more. So second, last one. Jennifer Lee, CBC. Hi there. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, this is for Dr. Hinshaw. You talked about um, Alberta's COVID hospitalization numbers and the fact they're a lagging indicator. But, you know, looking back after BA1 and that wave, you know, the drop in hospitalizations while there wasn't as dramatic as the drop we saw in previous waves. And I just wonder what you anticipate um, with hospitalizations in the months to come as we come off if we are coming off of BA2, um, do you anticipate they'll still remain um, higher than what we've seen in the past? Um, like, what do you anticipate will happen? And can we expect a more dramatic drop without the kind of health measures we had in place to limit spread after previous waves? 
One of the interesting things about comparing the the first Omicron wave and the second Omicron wave is looking at the ICU numbers. Uh, So while the overall hospitalization numbers uh, haven't declined as dramatically, we did see uh, more of a drop in the, the ICU numbers. One of the things that we've been talking about with colleagues across the country is how do we most accurately give uh, the public a sense of what the COVID impact is on hospitals, uh, because we know that there is a portion of the hospitalization numbers that are people who are admitted to hospitals for other reasons. So we do share that information on our weekly updates, the percentage of those who are admitted where COVID is an incidental finding and not related to their hospitalization. Um, So I think what's important for the public to know is that, again, as we've said, COVID-19 is with us for the uh, foreseeable future, that it's something that will likely go up and down, uh, probably in part influenced by seasonality, that we will likely see, similar to influenza, a low level of cases even throughout the summer. We would expect that we would see more cases in the fall and winter in our respiratory season. Um, but that we're still in that transition period where uh, we haven't quite reached what what we would expect the um, the uh, kind of normalized state to be. So I would expect in the next several months we will see a decline in hospitalizations with COVID, uh, but they, they will remain at a at a lower level. I don't expect they would get down to zero anytime soon. Um, and that we would see a surge again, certainly in the fall, is is most likely. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Jenna, follow-up? Yeah, I do. Thanks. I'm wondering, Dr. Hinshaw, if you can provide an update on the situation um, with severe acute hepatitis cases in children. Um, have any further possible cases be, been identified since you announced this too last week? Um, haven't even confirmed. Um, can you just give us an update on sort of where those investigations are at? Sure. We've been working with clinical colleagues and also working with partners at the national level and other provinces and territories. The two cases that I spoke about last week, um, after further conversation with the Public Health Agency of Canada and with local clinicians, uh, do meet the probable case definition, um, which means that at this time, there's no clear uh, explainable cause of the hepatitis. And so, um, again, those particular cases, uh, the, the clinical condition hasn't changed at all, um, but the initial set of investigations has ruled out the most common causes of hepatitis. We are working to make sure that the uh, reporting process is clear. So this is obviously something that's still new. Um, it's something that we're wanting to make sure that our clinical colleagues understand who to report to. Uh, so there may be additional cases as we work to clarify those reporting connections. But at this time, we have the two probable cases in Alberta. Thanks for that, Dr. Hinshaw. We'll take one more caller, please. Catherine Grigowski, Alberta Today. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, so if somebody has had uh, one or two shots of AstraZeneca and then their third dose of mRNA, is that third dose still considered effective? Will they need to get boosters? We know that there are uh, many people in this circumstance who may have received a, either a single dose or a full series of AstraZeneca 
and then may have received one or two doses of an mRNA vaccine last summer. So they would be beyond that five months from their third or fourth dose, depending on, uh, again, whether they they received a full AstraZeneca series and then a full mRNA series. Uh, we have brought that specific question to our Alberta Advisory Committee to assess the um, need for offering additional doses to those individuals since they have had uh, what would be considered to be a, a booster dose in, in those circumstances. At this time, our advisory committee has recommended that we consider the final dose to be their booster dose. It is something that we continue to discuss with them and look at emerging evidence just with respect to um, considering how long the protection against severe outcomes would last. So if anything changes on that front, we will, of course, let Albertans know. But at this time, we are following the recommendations of our advisory committee with respect to that specific population. Thanks, Dr. Inshaw. Uh, Catherine, follow-up? Yeah, on a different topic, you had mentioned um, the importance of mental health and, you know, doing all those activities we enjoy, uh, camping on a long weekend or watching a hockey game. I'm wondering, with hospitals in Edmonton and Calgary, um, some of them above 100% capacity, how concerned are you about um, a surge or the ability to get care when when no long weekends there tend to be things like impaired driving or or incidents that land people in hospital, what would be your advice for staying out of hospital, I guess? Yeah, it's a great point. And we do often see uh, long weekends, especially uh, the beginning of our, our summer season as times where injuries do potentially go up. I think one of the most important things to remember is that it's never appropriate to mix alcohol or cannabis with uh, other activities like driving or operating any kind of motor vehicle. Uh, that's extremely dangerous and certainly not just a, a potential cause for injury in the person who's operating the vehicle, but the people who may be around them, either passengers or in other vehicles. So I would say that anyone who's making plans to uh, be outdoors, especially if it involves um, using, you know, either driving or using a recreational vehicle of some kind uh, to make plans to ensure that the driver is somebody who's not using those substances. It's also important to take basic safety precautions, having a backup plan, making sure that uh, any of the activities that people are participating in, they're comfortable with, familiar with, have the safety gear and, uh, you know, are able to, to get uh, supports if, so for example, not, um, going hiking in unfamiliar areas if uh, if you don't have a safety plan or a backup plan. So just really using the, the basic safety precautions, making sure that any kind of uh, impairing substances aren't used with motor vehicles, uh, making sure that uh, kids, for example, are well supervised. We know that um, younger kids can uh, unfortunately be injured if they're doing activities uh, and, and not supervised. So those are all the kinds of things that we would always recommend, but particularly on a long weekend, uh, making sure that as we all get back outside and back into activities that we enjoy, that we're doing so safely. Thanks for that, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, we'll wrap up there. Uh, see you again next week. And since they're the very last words of the day, go Oilers. <laughs>